Thank you so much, and good morning. On this day, we're pausing to commemorate our Lord's death with the elements of communion. And long before we jump back into our series in the book of Acts, it seems appropriate again to pause and do something that is tailored to the experience of the moment. So I'd love for you now to take your Bibles and turn with me to the last book of the Newer Testament, on the book of Revelation. And in chapter 5, you are getting before you one of the most extraordinary uh, events that will be unfolding in front of your very eyes in terms of what takes place within our cosmos. You're being introduced to the throne room of the heavens and given an opportunity to be able to peer in and to understand who matters most what matters most, and what has been done for the glory of God. I'd love to read to you from verse 1 down through verse 14 these words. And then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written, and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, was able to open the scroll and to look into it. And I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, and which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went, took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain 
And by your blood, you ransomed people for good. From every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we realize we have just entered into not only something, but entered into somewhere of ultimate significance. We are peering into the throne room of the cosmos where all things are settled. And we're being given a glimpse of who matters most and what matters most. And so we can't think of a better way this morning to prepare our hearts for the bread and the cup than to stay focused upon the one who died for our sins and three days later was raised from the grave. Jesus. So, Father, these moments are important. And so, Father, once again, we're praying that you would warm these hearts and that you would engage these minds, that you would shape these wills. Again, Father, we've come here to see Jesus, him only. And we're praying these things again now in Jesus' name. Amen. So join me now as we're leaving the States and we are heading off towards Patmos. We've probably arrived in Athens and from Athens we'll take a ship across the Aegean and make our way to this desolate setting that, that the Apostle John was exiled at in. Look at that. It's not large, it's small, it's minuscule. It's not the place where things supposedly are happening. 
where everything that's supposedly happening is happening in Rome, which has been dubbed at that time as the eternal city. But what is eternal and what is temporal as we grappled with last week? And where is the place of true authority and where is the place of true power and who's in charge anyways? And then C.S. Lewis would remind us of these words in one of his great essays entitled The Inner Ring. I believe that in all men's lives at certain periods and in many men's lives at all periods between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. And the natural assumption would be that Domitian in that eternal city that they dubbed Rome, he was at the core of the inner ring and he was in charge and they had even ascribed divinity to him. It was almost as if this man just could never die. But where is the inner ring, and where is the outer ring, and who's inside that inner ring? Nobody on the face of the earth would have expected that the throne room of the heavens would be disclosing to someone on, of all places, the Isle of Patmos, where true authority and true power is to be found. One of the great dangers, even in 2021, is to confuse the inner and outer rings of life. And what you and I are about to do now is to explore the inner ring, the true ring, the throne room of the cosmos. And we're going to look at verse 1 through 14 as we prepare our hearts and our minds for receiving the bread and the cup this morning. And what I want to do with you and your own Potmas experience is to draw out three what we'll call reflection points that are going to help us with deciphering inner versus outer ring matters of who matters most, what matters most, and really now, who has authority and who has power. And the first comes out of verse 1 down through verse 5. There's you and I as we reflect upon our Lord Jesus Christ. Note, first of all, with me, the ultimate question here being posed. The ultimate question now being posed. It covers verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 together. And now as we begin to explore this, look very carefully with me as we begin with verse 1. And then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written and on the back sealed with seven seals. 
Now the one who is seated on the throne at this point is God the Father. And he has this scroll in his possession as he is seated in the place of cosmic authority where the sum total of all matters of history, past, present, and future, the purpose of it all, and his plan for it all, are written out. He's seated. He has a, he has a scroll in his hand. As one archaeologist puts it, She's a papyrus, usually 20 or so, or glued together to form a row approximately 30 feet long. This would have been the imagery from the expression with writing on both sides, to which John was alluding. This was called an epistograph. And it was high significance, you see, and it was so encompassing and so overwhelming that while the average scroll would have only had that which was contained within, this also had writing on the other side. Comprehensive. Now to prevent tampering, the scrolls were sealed with clay and in the time period of the Roman Empire, sealed, impressed with the emperor's mark. Do you see the irony here? Domitian, who thought he was in the inner ring, has exiled John to what Domitian assumed was the outer ring. But in reality, the cosmic throne room is now disclosing the emperor of the universe's plan to this one who is positioned on the outer ring of life, the Isle of Potmos. Capturing the irony? Seven seals. There would be seven witnesses, typically, that would be present to make certain that an emperor's scroll was opened properly. So John is now using the imagery of the time period to be able to answer the question, and who really is in charge here? And where is authority truly to be found? And in reality, where is the inner ring? And who's in it? As you make your way onward now to verse, to verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel. Would you think that all angels are mighty? What distinguishes this angel from all other angels? Is this Gabriel? I saw a mighty angel, and he's proclaiming with a loud voice. You can picture this majestic, deep voice, heard by all. But now, your first reflection point comes in the form of this question. It's an ultimate question. 
And the question posed is the question that still has got to be posed and answered. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Now, there was always a sense of trepidation whenever Domitian, the emperor at that time, would send out his will and his purposes through his emissaries. And the individual would have to have witnesses present as the seals would be broken and the will would be then explained. But right now, we're asking the question, Who's worthy? Who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals, one after another after another? <coughs> Let that question linger with you, okay? Let it penetrate your heart. You can almost sense the deafening silence in the cosmos when verse 3 breaks in into your mindset. And no one. It's an absolute negative. And no one. Notice how encompassing this is. In heaven, or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look into it, you see. This is encompassing, this is exclusive, and that shows the incapabilities of humanity at this point to deal with the matter of God's will, God's plan, God's purpose, and God's scroll for all times. Right now we're dealing with a question. We still haven't been given an answer. He's letting the question linger there is the deafening silence in the cosmos. He wants this to weigh heavily upon your mind, upon your heart, upon your soul. That due to the sinfulness of humanity, there is a no one that can step forward at this moment, so it seems. What do you do? There are emotions that are tied to this. And there should be. And so here now, this one who looks like he's on the outer ring, but is being given insider information from the inner ring, ponders as now we find in verse 4 these words, I began to weep loudly. John, you've been exiled by the earthly, lowercase authority, 
Domitian, the political center leader of the world in what had been dubbed the Eternal City, which was Rome. Everybody thought that's where it's at. That's where authority and power is found. I'm weeping loudly. Why? Because no one, see the exclusive negative once again utilized, was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. You can almost sense the pause. At this point, no one worthy has stepped forward. God has sequentially allowed for a pause to occur so that people would be gripped with the significance of the incapabilities of humanity at this moment. See? You make your way then to verse 5. And as you make your way to verse 5, you're about to be introduced to the first of three titles that will be given to the second member of the Trinity. One of the elders, one of the elders said to me, see how personal this is? In other words, God is reaching out to people on the outer, in the outer ring of life. And says, you're being thought of in the inner ring. In the throne room of the universe. You feel like you're on the outer ring this morning? feel like you're on your own Patmos? You feel exiled? God's thinking of you. As one of the elders said to me, weep no more. God is even concerned with your emotional state. Weep no more. And now, with extraordinary visual aptness, he uses that incredible biblical word once again, behold. And as you open your eyes, lo and behold, the first title leaps out at you. The Lion of the Tribe of Judah. And as you see that, your mind goes back to the Older Testament at this point. And there in your Older Testament, in Genesis chapter 49, you and I are informed of these words in verse 9 and 10. Judah is a lion's cub from the prey, my son. You've gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion. And as a lioness, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Uh, Domitian thought he could have the obedience of the peoples. But you see, there's a throne room in the heavens that far exceeds the throne rooms of the earth. 
And here now, the Lion of the tribe of Judah is the first of the three titles being given to this one we know as Messiah, Jesus Christ. But you see, there's a second title. He goes on to be described here in verse 5 as the root of David. And in Isaiah chapter 11, and in verse 1, and again in verse 10, what you would find is that in Isaiah's writings, it seemed as though all the promises that have been given to the people of David, the line of David, have been eviscerated, and because the Assyrians and then the Babylonians would come along and conquer the Jewish people, and well, it seems as though there would be no more throne for that one who would come from the line of David. But think again. Because three days later, he would be raised from the grave. And when everything seems hopeless, the scroll says, be hopeful. Where in verse 1 of chapter 11 of Isaiah, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And again in verse 10, in that day, speaking of that day, of course, of the Messiah, in that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations, plural, inquire in his resting place, shall be glorious. And from that point on in verse 11 of Isaiah chapter 11, we are being told that this will be a universal reign. And you and I realize where the true inner ring is found. It's in the throne room of the cosmos that the Apostle John is being, is being exposed to at this point in his time. You remember the story. Langdon Gilkey has been exiled. He's in his own Patmos moment. It's during World War II. And he's walking by this gathering of worshipers in a Nazi concentration camp. And he's asking himself the question, is this really worthwhile? We could be doing so much more. Capture the question worthwhile. But then as he noticed the impact that these worshipers had upon this hopeless situation and the people staring at the, at the austerity of life deprivations, after he grappled with, is this worthy? He came to this conclusion that there was a quality that seemed, was seemingly unique to these people. Namely, naturally and without pretense, they were the ones to quickly respond to needs in this concentration camp when everyone else seemed to turn away. And while much of this went unnoticed, not by me, for you see, our camp could scarcely have survived as well without the worshipers. 
if there was any evidences of the grace of God observable on the surface of our camp existence, it was found there in our hopeless state, where through these worshipers, hope broke in. Is hope breaking in through your life? Even if you're on Patmos this morning? The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Interestingly, Domitian, a few years later, would be assassinated. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open. Did you notice now the ability in contrast to the inabilities of humanity? He can open the scroll on its seven seals, but he has not done so yet in this vision. There's this extraordinary sense of anticipation. The ultimate question being posed slowly but surely will be addressed due time take a look at that scroll it's the way it would appear that's the way it would appear in that time period and again what we bear in mind is that she's a papyrus about 20 or so glued together Form a um, row approximately 30 feet. He needs both sides. Man, even Domitian didn't need that. Who's in charge? And where is true authority and where is true power found? Where, first of all, the ultimate question is being posed. A second point of reflection. Notice with me in verses 6 and 7. The sealed scroll being taken. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb. Now, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, number one. He's the root of David, number two. He's a lamb, number three. And you see, I like that. I remember the Gospels reading about when, when John the Baptist would point to Jesus Christ and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I like that. Well, the Greek word there was omnas. Omnas carried with it the illusion of the Passover lamb. Interestingly, we are told that the Passover lamb in Exodus 12, verse 22, its bones were not to be broken. When Jesus Christ was on that cross being crucified, his body was inspected. His bones were not broken. John 19, verse 36. But here's what's interesting. Oh, yeah. In the English 
simply says lamb, right? But in the Greek, in the Greek, the Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John and used Ani on there, excuse me, I'm not there, in Revelation, she uses a different Greek word for lamb, anion. And in Jewish apocalyptic literature, anion was the symbol of a conquering lamb who would take on the evil of the world and address it once and for all. In other words, what John has done from moving the Gospel of John into the book of Revelation, he has taken his readership from the great Amnas to the great Anion. This is the conquering lamb. So I saw a lamb standing. Furthermore, as though it had been slain. We're thinking of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We're thinking furthermore of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This lamb is not lying. This lamb is standing. Let it grip you what comes next. Seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits of God. Earlier we had said you needed seven witnesses to observe the breaking of the seven seals. What is going on here? Seven horns. Horns was typically symbolic of power. Eyes, seven eyes. Eyes symbolic of knowledge and awareness. Seven spirits. Holy Spirit, sent into all the earth, everywhere. In other words, with those three sevens, you have got omnipotence, you've got omniscience, you've got omnipresence. You see. But we still haven't seen the exchange. When lo and behold, notice this, he went and took the scroll. God the Father does not get up and go to God the Son and hand him the scroll. Now this takes boldness. God the Son, standing. Movement towards God the Father. He went, took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, and get this, it's implied. The one on the throne releases his grip. Doesn't hold on. Because the lamb standing has conquered. Therefore, he is worthy, you see. Now, you've examined with me the ultimate question being posed in 1 through 5. Who is worthy was the question in verse 2. 
we first of all had to accept the fact that no one was worthy in humanity until this three-titled one steps forward and the sovereign one on the throne releases his grip. Ultimate question posed, sealed scroll taken. Amnas becomes Anyan as you move in now to the third reflection point, the corporate worship being offered. And when he had taken the scroll, notice what happens here. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. When Christ was laid in the grave, he was lying while Joseph of Arimathea and the others, they were standing. But now, the Lamb is standing and the elders, the creatures, they're lying. They have fallen down before the Lamb. And while people would fear Domitian, Domitian, the one that was assumed to be in the inner ring, here now you and I find that each is holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Now, in the book of Revelation, there will be symbols which are unexplained. Furthermore, there are symbols which are explained via from the Older Testament, like Lion, the tribe of Judah, so on. And then there are those that are explained within context, such as this. The, this incense, the prayers of the saints. Now notice with me, they sang a new song, not an old song. And as they're singing, draw a line from verse 9 back to verse 2, where the question was, who is worthy? And now here is the musical response. Worthy are you. Worthy are you to take the scroll. He had the boldness and the right to do so. To open its seals. And now definitively, you were slain. What's the purpose? By your blood you ransomed people for God. It was the shed blood of this one who was slain. How universal? From every tribe and language and people and nation. Not one to the exclusion of others. And then in verse 10, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth, in keeping again with what was taught in the book of Exodus, where in chapter 19, the Jewish people were told to keep the covenant, you are my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And now he is allowing believers through every walks of life 
to be participants in being priests to the nations. Because we've got access to the throne room. We can distinguish between the inner rings and the outer rings of power and authority, you see. We don't confuse uppercase and lowercase authority. Domitian would die and Jesus Christ, three days later, is raised from the grave. And lo and behold, in verse 11, I looked, so visual. I heard, so audible. Concentric circles. Around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands. And notice now the universality of it all, saying in verse 12, loud voice, nothing timid here, second time, worthy is the Lamb. Not the Amnas. This is the Arnion. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and, and blessing. Uh, even in the days of Luther, everybody thought that Rome was the place to be, still viewed as the eternal city, where emperor found, and furthermore, where the pope was to be. But Luther came along, Wittenberg would have been viewed as a Potmus setting, and he would post on the door his 95 theses, arguing that you and I are saved exclusively upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, he alone. There was an artist that wanted to find a way to communicate that truth. It appears on the screen. And as it appears on the screen, notice this. That lamb is lying. Still in the omnas state. And if you would look very carefully at that painting from the 1500s, <coughs> you would realize that lamb lying on a cross. What do you do? How do you explain this? And how do you take people who might be viewing that, which has been shown in various museums in the U.S., and take them from Amnas to Arnion, the conquering land? Joan did it. Because she went to see this Agnes Dei, the Latin for Lamb of God, in a museum here in the U.S. And she came in in a wheelchair. And while people were observing that lamb, she began to sing. Jesus has overcome. And the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead. I will rise when he calls my name. No more sorrow. No more pain. I'll rise on eagle's wings before my God fall on my knees. I will rise. I will rise. And I hear the voice of many angels sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Arnias. 
And I heard the cry of every longing heart, worthy is the Lamb. And I hear the voice of many angels sing, worthy is the Lamb. And I hear the cry of every longing heart, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. And I will rise when he calls my name, no more sorrow, no more pain. I'll rise on Ingo's wings before my God, fall on my knees. I will rise, I will rise. As she sings from her wheelchair. You see. In verse 13, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. They saw the inner ring. Father, in our communion experience, keep us from becoming so caught up with outer ring, temporary events of life. Of Rome views itself as the eternal city, and it wasn't. Domitian ascribed divinity to himself and it wasn't. He would die. But there on Patmos, by all appearances, outer ring, the throne room of the cosmos breaks in to what seemed to be a hopeless setting, brings hope to all humanity for all time. He is worthy. And for this, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.